This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. 10.36. This is News Talk 1290 CJBK. Dan Flaherty in for Jim Chapman on Talk of the Town. And uh, this is a segment that I've been looking forward to, left, right, and center. And today, of course, we're joined by Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer as well. Guys, thanks for coming in on Christmas Eve. Well, good morning, Dan. Hello. Nice to meet you. And uh, how, how did you guys get roped into this on Christmas Eve? Don't ask. Don't <laughs> ask. Kathleen's a fast talker, you know. It's, it's one of those things, you talk to Kathleen, and then you sort of, she says, okay, great, guys, good, thanks so much. And then you, you're left going, uh, <laughs> what did I agree to? Uh, we were talking uh, the last half hour on the show about comfort food and the holidays, and I, I wanted to get your guys' uh, uh, memories of food, shall we say, around the holiday season. And, and Bob, let's start with you. Any anything that sort of says the holidays? Well, well yeah, it's it's the traditional stuff uh, with me: the turkey, the stuffing. It's I can't even think of a Christmas where we really did anything dramatically different there might have been one year we, we did ham or something but i can't i can hardly recall that but that's definitely the kind of meal uh that i associate with this time of year and don't know what we're getting at my sister's tomorrow so might break a tradition or might keep one i don't know uh, and you know as soon as you walk in the door eh, the 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 fragrance we'll call it oh, yeah. the christmas food just oh it's wonderful or even before yeah there before you, you get go to the door <laughs> that's when you know it's really good expectations you know? exactly <laughs> jeff how about you well, uh, yeah, certainly we had the, the traditional uh, food as well, and uh, I think back to, to my grandmother's place for Christmas and sort of the amazing uh, variety of things that they made, and uh, and uh, I have to say, I haven't really kept the tradition that well. For me, it's uh, whatever Loblaws happens to prefab. That's uh, what uh, could served at my place, but still pretty good. I was uh, watching yesterday the... Um, I don't, I'm not sure what she is ahead of exactly, but the woman in, seems to be in charge of Mad Cow in the United States who says, I'll be having my traditional beef on Christmas. I think, beef on beef Christmas? I've never heard of that before. You know, it's funny because I was watching uh, CNN last night as well as the story broke about the Mad Cow, uh, the positive case now in the United States. And the same thing they were talking about, well, you know, a lot of people sitting down to, on Christmas dinner for beef. And I thought... Uh, not anybody I know. No. <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything against the beef. No, beef I like is beef, great, but, <laughs> but it's just not, to my mind, that's not sort of your Christmas meal. No, that's not what Ebenezer Scrooge told uh, the little boy yeah. to go and get at the end of Christmas Carol. Look at a slab of beef. <laughs> you don't see him hanging out the window saying, get me a half a cow. <laughs> no, it'd be oh, well. the goose, the turkey, okay. But yeah, yeah. That beef, there you go. And, and guys, that brings us up to, uh, why don't we start there, as a matter of fact, because we have had, in this country, a, a mad cow scare. We had a positive case, which it turns out was almost a year ago, last January. And it shut down the border. Our beef couldn't get across. I don't even know if live cattle can get across now yet. I, I think there's still some restrictions in place. And yet now that we've got this positive case in the United States, oh, it doesn't seem to be quite so bad. What are your guys' thoughts on this? <laughs> well, it's interesting because for me the whole mad cow... Uh disease issue was more of a mad politician disease issue. It was like, uh, it was really a study in Canada-U.S. relations. And, uh, I mean, if it weren't for that artificial border there, how would we have handled it if, if it was within our country? Like, we didn't really react as Canadians to it. People still kept buying beef. And, yep. in fact... Taking advantage of taking some advantage pretty decent of some deals pretty good on beef, too, yeah. Exactly. So, um... I think that in our not reacting as fast as Japan and some of the other countries did to to shut the borders right away, 
is almost like, uh, you know, trying to make up for some of the past things we've just done in the past year with the U.S.-Canada relations. We'll sit and wait and, and actually congratulate them on this transparency that they talk about, that they actually mm. um, had the nerve to tell us that this happened. I mean, it'd be an easy thing to keep a secret, you it, know, and try because, to bury it. Because right now, as far as we know, it's one cow. That's right, and that's the same situation as was with Canada. So, uh be interesting to see what happens. That's where uh, Ralph Klein got into a bit of trouble on that when he, he was his remark at one point about how well you know if uh, if uh, there'd been a good fire or not, nobody would have known about any of this in uh, Alberta. And uh, it's like, well, good thing that people are being honest about this stuff. But it uh, it, it does strike me though that I I heard last night on, on CNN. It's funny, CNN. It's it's place, CNN, place right there. That's no, right. Yeah, <laughs> about uh, how it was still uh, there were still substantial restrictions on getting uh, Canadian beef into the United States and. Uh, I remember reading an article about uh, how the uh, the thesis of this article was that uh, they were taking their time in lifting the sanctions because it was quite profitable for the American beef industry. Sure. The competition was gone and that uh, they were saying, well, yeah, we'll get around to letting you back into our market. Uh, we've got to be really, really, really sure. That you know, might also that. help explain our current stance. We want to, you know, come on, guys, open the door. We're not closing it to you. So, yeah. hey, get with it, you well, know. Now, Bob, you were saying that maybe this is a, a way of, by not closing down the border to American beef, at, at least point. immediately, yeah, yeah. Uh, that it's sort of one of those. Hey, sorry about not supporting you guys with the war in Iraq. Uh, send your beef. Is that kind of something <laughs> we're <laughs> in in a sort of a way? I guess you could tie those two issues together. Um, certainly, we weren't uh, in the most popular mode with Americans during that period of time. Uh, right up still there with, uh, with France, I think. Uh, I think so, yeah. Although in my case, I've, I've realized it's not Americans who were upset because uh, the, the Americans that I that I like and respect, uh, the Jimmy Carters and uh, and uh, Al Gore's and so on, were right on board with where we were, that it's Republicans who were mad at us. And, of course, the majority of Americans are not Republicans or Democrats, uh, notwithstanding the fellow who, who took the White House. Not a majority of people voted for him. So I, I've realized, you know, I can't be saying American this, American that. It's not Americans. It's the Republicans who are the ones who are off to Iraq. And well, I know whenever I say American, Americans, I generally mean the American government, because that's the mm -hmm. official spokesman, yeah, that whoever that might be in power. Now, yeah. it happens to be Bush, so to me, okay, Republican-Americans equivalent in the context of this issue. <laughs> right, I, if I was talking about... For the country. Sure. I really wonder, though, right now, but like uh, Paul Martin announcing kind of in advance that he wants better relations with the United States, and it, I, I recall uh, Simon Reisman's remark about uh, the um, when the free trade uh, agreement was negotiated, and he was our negotiator, and he said, you have to remember that the American national sport is winning, and uh, I think... Uh, <laughs> Boy, you know, um, Paul's announced that he wants to be friends with George, and uh, it's got to be tempting for the Americans at this point to say, well, okay, uh, we can be friends, but, uh, you know, you can't, uh, well, in that reconstruction thing in Iraq, for instance, forget that. Uh, it almost puts us a little behind the eight ball as far as hard bargaining. Now, maybe it'll work out. Uh, maybe it'll, it'll be uh, that uh, they will bend over backwards to say, see, if you're nice to us, we'll be nice to you. Uh, not like that Chrétien guy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's not so much about that we didn't send troops to Iraq. I don't think that was even being requested of us. We could have said, you know, thanks but no thanks in a polite way instead of in the way that we did. That was the issue. It was that moral judgment and that moral, you know, I'm holier than thou attitude mm -hmm. uh, that I think is what the Americans were reacting to. And it well, wasn't the only issue. they pretty illegally. <laughs> uh, there is legalities in war are, to me, a laughable issue. Uh, once you're down to a situation of a declaration of war, rights don't exist anymore. That's, that's what war is about. I'm sorry. It's a messy affair. Um, war occurs when you have two very, you know, two competing authorities. 
who can't agree on who has authority over jurisdiction over a certain area, and that's well, that's true. That's you when know, everyone like gets caught up in it. In you these, know? you know, Geneva Convention, all that stuff, and agreeing to ban chemical weapons, but we can nuke every other way. But Sunday, it, it is kind of a farce. You know, and and here we have a war that continues in spite of the fact that we've had one of the leaders of the world saying hostilities have ceased, and here again today in the news, three more American soldiers killed in in Iraq. Well, he hasn't. You're talking about Bush? Yeah. Bush has not said hostilities have ceased. In fact, well, if you, re- if you look at his... Yes, well, of course, the, the bombing and the aircraft carriers went home. But as he said on day one, this war is going to go on for years and years and years. It will be long, protracted. It will, ha- it will have a cost in American lives, although the number has been incredibly, incredibly low. It's almost as low as what you would get on an average day's uh, death toll from mishaps. When you're Mm. talking about an army that size, in fact, the first few death toll from Iraq were were all mishaps, accidents that happen unloading a tank off a plane or something like that. So um, this is not a mass destructive type of war in the sense of just bombing and nuking our cities. Um, if you're Iraqi, it's more, more Well, dangerous. even there. Uh, I, I, think, I think there's a big story being kept from us, and I think things are going better there than, than a lot of the media wants to admit. I find it very disturbing that we keep getting these little minutiae reports of one and two people, you know, killed this in a war, which is well, a tragedy, it, but, it's, but, but this is a war. Well, that's where it's tough. And what left, about the other side? Are we winning or losing? No, we just, all we hear is about the death toll, because it's a constant barrage of trying to get us tired of it. And it's been, it hasn't even been two years yet, and look what's been done yeah. and and we're also remember we've got a media that's hungry for a story too sure yeah but it's uh, that's that's where it's tough if you but oppose the war because on the one hand you may not like the fact that they went in there and you may have wished that they had kept focused on osama and if they had 150,000 soldiers after him they probably would have him by now but having said that they're being in there now you hope it works out as fast as possible i don't know of anybody who's saying gee i hope they fall on their face <laughs> well let's let's uh, wrap up where we started here and go back to mad cow for a second sure. uh what are we going to see in the coming weeks with this mad cow scare because I was I, I gotta tell you guys I was I was very surprised to see the medical experts who were brought in by CNN saying things like well you know this really isn't a major concern for people and this really isn't easy to catch and it's not very contagious which are all the things that they weren't saying when ooh, it was a Canadian Exactly. Cow. The hypocrisy comes out and you exactly. start seeing that every trade barrier is somebody trying to Make you know, buck. butter his own his own bread at somebody else's expense. Or cook his own cow, so right. to speak. We've got a whole whole bunch of uh, of people who traveled to Great Britain at the time that they were having trouble there who uh, who are still sort of um, restricted in a variety of ways. I'm trying to remember I had a friend who uh, was over there at the time and if you were there for a certain amount of time um, what the heck were the restrictions they placed on them? But it, but he was telling me how that just because he happened to be in Eng- in England when they they had the trouble, but uh, and, and I, I'm sure I'm sure they can't give blood for one thing, but uh, there were some other restrictions as well. But it, the other thing that I just don't get is how it pops out out of nowhere. Like, is this not a communicable disease? Is it just self-created? Yeah, and and that's the thing too. I mean, yes, we have one positive case in one cow. But where'd it come from? Well, like exactly. the SARS issue too. Eh? It's the same thing. All of a sudden, there's another report of these things, and they've got this back bacteria or whatever it is in all sorts of labs That's around right. the world, because uh, which they should have. They should know something about it, or we or if it gets out, we won't ever have a chance. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, nevertheless, that's the danger of living. I mean, life is is. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of microbes out there that want to get us. <laughs> and, and there's one waiting under your shoe yeah, at every single corner. But it's funny, on the one hand, the, you know, we, we play up these things. And I remember Jim doing a, a media misfire one night about uh, the, um, 
oh, uh, the West Nile disease, and he talked about the number of people that had died from that, and there were like mm. three, or, three or four or something, and I think it was in the United States every month, there's, I believe, 5,000 people killed in car accidents. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the one hand, you know, we go, f we, we really love the novel stuff, but the same old, same old way of dying is kind of like, oh, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> well, I think we categorize the way we... We, we come to our end. I mean, a car, a car accident seems somewhat in the control of the people involved, whereas a, a microbe attacking you, you don't feel that you're in control no. and you can't do anything. I mean, look at H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. How did they finally beat the aliens? They couldn't. It was these microbes that took that, them over, right? right. <laughs> so, so you start realizing that the power is at this microscopic level, not at the macroscopic level, which... Uh, is technically what a nuclear bomb well, and I guess is, it, too, if you think it, about it. Yeah, that's true. And I guess it's the unknown, too, that you don't know if there, if, if there's an outbreak, you know, a plague, you know, it could suddenly get out of control, whereas cars, you don't expect them to start no, killing exactly. us in massive numbers tomorrow. It's kind of like, well... That we only happens in the movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's almost considered more... I, I know this is the wrong word, a natural event, you know, like we don't... We understand we, it. We understand yeah. hurricanes. We don't look at... Mm -hmm. you know, a hurricane may cause as much damage as a man-created disaster, but it's the man-created disaster that affects us because it could have been avoided or, been or like 9-11, that sure. kind of a thing. Sure. Well, guys, let's take a break. We're talking with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer on Left, Right, and Center. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to get your thoughts, guys, on a couple of the big political stories in Canada in 2003. We'll be right back to Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. 10.52. Dan Flaherty in for Jim Chapman. Joined today by Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer talking about left, right, and center and uh, things political and stuff happening out there in the world. And guys, thanks again for coming in on Christmas Eve and taking the time. Really appreciate it. No problem. Um, big story this year. Well, let's 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 do two because we don't. We're we're running out of time quickly. Uh, Uniting the right would like to get your thoughts on that, and also the departure of uh, the little guy from the from Shawinigan. And let's uh, Bob. Let's start with you on this one. Well, unite the right. I guess the quickest thing I could say is what goes around comes around. Um, this is the same old PC party we had before the right split. It's, uh, the, the so-called splitting of the right seemed to be a phenomenon within the right, a, a shifting of thought within the right. Now, how it can come all back together again, because there's some very fundamental differences, mm -hmm. uh, more so in the right wing than in the, in the left liberal camp. Um, it's going to be a tough haul. I don't see them winning any major electoral battles in the near future, but depending how things work out, uh, the two-party system is uh, very much uh, the viable way to go, but you know, the thing is, you got to be that second party, and mm -hmm. if you're only at 10% of the polls, and you know, <laughs> makes it, it doesn't look pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and again, with the other question, that was um, oh, Chrétien. Yeah, the departure yeah. of uh, Jean Chrétien. Well, again, I think it's basically government as usual. I always look at the whole issue of government as being in relationship to the individual. What does it mean to me? Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, I don't see my taxes coming down, even though the rates may come down at some level or other. They're all being pushed down because the services are still all being assumed by governments at some level or the other. Um, until we see a, a broad opening of the market in those key areas, uh, health care, education, uh, a lot more privatization, there, we won't see an abatement of expenses. Or, or we'll just pay more and get less. So that's how I see the process. Martin, some people see him as being almost the right wing's answer to the within the left wing camp. Okay, he's going to cut back taxes a bit, which I th which is a good thing. Canada stature yeah, we, we is improving a little bit o yeah. over 
you know, in the international community. But again, you know, if you think about it... Compared to the best places in the, the world single, in Scandinavia, which pay a lot more uh, tax. The single most... Uh, the single expense any Canadian has, greater than his living expenses and all others combined, is, is taxes. And that's a shame. That shouldn't be in a free country. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's o- look over this direction, Jeff, and, and get your thoughts. Uniting the right, is this a, a viable alternative to the Liberal Party? Well, it, it, was, it was inevitable that sooner or later they, they had to do that. And uh, I think that uh, with the grand experiment under Preston Manning of trying to get away from a, a centrist, um, populist type of, uh, of rightish party in the PCs and having more of an ideologically driven party that was more pure, if you like, to, to right-wing ideas, especially sort of um, social conservatism. Um, but I think what they discovered, which, which they probably could have told on day one, was that you're not going to run the country if you're going to do that. And if, <laughs> if you want to have uh, a party that's more ideologically pure, that's great, and it can certainly... Uh, have a lot of influence, and I think that the Reform Party had a lot of influence in Canada in the last uh, uh, 10, 10, 15 years. But at some point, uh, people decide, well, it'd be nice to run the place, though, again, and that this is the uh, this is the the only way you can do it is by uh, is by coming together, and that's happened historically over time. The Progressive Conservative Party you know, was joining of the of the two parties in their day. Having said that, I I was struck by a column. I think it was by Jeffrey Simpson in the Globe saying that. If Stephen Harper really wants to be in government, though, it may be wiser for him to stand aside and let John Tory be the leader, and Stephen could be the deputy leader, because Stephen's, I think, too associated with the social conservatism, frankly. Mm. And I think about the kinds of issues that are important to me around, uh, oh, things like uh, the way we would treat the poor uh, around uh, issues about human rights and so on. I, I don't know where that party stands. I've never really heard what they would do with poor people. I, I kind of fear the worst, uh, but uh, I, I don't know. And I just don't think that uh, unless they do come quite a ways back to the center, it's still going to be a long time before they could actually form the government, particularly with Paul. Uh, you know, and Paul uh, won't be pinned down on words, but clearly he's he's considerably right of Jean Chrétien. And I watched him last night on The National, uh, and he's basically watering down uh, all of the l- legacy things that Chrétien left, the marijuana, the same <laughs> sex, you know. He's, he's back and as far away from those things as he can, and certainly he's committed to significant corporate tax cuts. Uh, he says he's going to go back and review all federal government spending and reduce it wherever he can. So, uh, as somebody had said, like uh, Stephen Harper would be quite comfortable with most of the things that he's said. Uh, they could easily have come out of the, the Conservative Party. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see in the next number of years. Having said that, the phenomenon that interests me is the success of the Republicans in the United States. If uh, the Conservatives in Canada can tap into some of that magic, then they could push us quite a ways to the right. I'm trying to think if we have any big action star actors who we can uh, prop up exactly. and get Wayne to be a premier. Wayne Gretzky is a premier of uh, Alberta? Or? Well, Wayne Gretzky, I, I heard him one day, he was a big supporter of the war in Iraq. And, uh, you know, it's like how, you know, sometimes you wish your heroes would just shut up. I don't want to know about his <laughs> politics, but he lives in, of course, he's an American citizen. He lives in a gated community in the United States. Uh, I think that he could be a darling. Now, be right. careful there, Jeff. Let's not... You know, throw 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 stones here. Who lives in a gated community? Oh, well, for <laughs> to me, they'd be, they'd be illegal. But uh, aside from that, no, I'm just saying that I, I think that there are some people who are pretty highly respected who may have politics that could be attractive to uh, to people like the, the Conservative Party. Mm. If they could attract some star Canadian candidates, there seems to be this Schwarzenegger star thing that seems to work. Interesting. Well, we've now, seen it with Jesse Ventura, too. Uh, Jeff made an interesting comment about the right calling them more ide- ideologically pure, referring to their social conservatism mm-hmm. with their fiscal conservatism. I see that as an ideological contradiction, not a purity, and I think that's part of the problem. Um, you see, I'm fiscally conservative, but I'm not a social conservative. I'm more of a social liberal. Right. Um, 
so that uh, uh, what, what I think a lot of people associate with social social conservatism is is a level of intolerance on certain basic personal rights issues, which could be marijuana, could be abortion, could be censorship and pornography, could be a whole host of those quote social issues that aren't right. directly fiscally related, and it's a different thing to have a moral point of view on all of those issues and to insist that the rest of the nation share them with you and that's where i think the right is falling and that it is in that social conservatism uh... which may have some proper ideas behind it but you can't force those ideas on other people you've got to use persuasion and you can't be using the force of government to to get your you know your personal views onto other people well fellas we're gonna have to leave it there because this has been the fastest half hour in radio <laughs> yeah, we're already fast through, every time yeah it's uh, it's been wonderful having you and and uh, and doing the segment it's been a lot thanks of thanks very much and a very <laughs> very merry christmas to you both same to you, to you. all right yeah. fellas take care jeff schlemmer And uh, Bob Metz joining us on Left, Right, and Center. We're coming up to the top of the hour. News is next.